Hello, all my little off nomin off nomies. We need a better name it can't be the for off our nominees, listeners because that's the awards that we did at the end of the year. I, yeah, and I was gonna go maybe like off nummies or like. But then it just got kind of weird. We need a better name, listeners. What do you want to be called? What What's your fun nickname? What's your fun pet name? Send it in. Email this is a different uh, start that I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> email it to Anthony at offnominal.space. <laughs> Great. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Canadian edition of Off Nominal. We've got a really special guest today, uh, Kate Howells. Kate, how are you? Hello, I am well. How are you? Uh, we're excellent. We are stoked to have you on. There's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of news lately, and I think we went back and forth on what we were going to cover. It was going to be like NASA budget stuff or moon stuff. And I was like, well, if we have all this good stuff, we may as well just do Canada. That's yes. that was my opinion. But yes, this is Canada's Canada hasn't been bigger in space news uh, in the last 10 years, I would say. So now's the time. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, though, between the time when we picked, oh, there's cool Canadian policy going on. Uh, we decided <laughs> on that topic and then everyone was like, oh, we're going to go in the moon in five years. Like, let's talk about that. <laughs> so. But we're going to be a part of it, right? It's going to be one of those things where... Uh, because of budget cuts and to make it fast, the Orion's only going to be able to dock with the help of Canada Arm Three, right? That's how it's going to work. I think that's a fair <laughs> assessment. Yeah, <laughs> three and four. It needs two of them to dock. Yeah, yeah, because Orion's so big and powerful. Well, you guys know more about Orion than I do, so I'll, let's just go for four Canada Arms total. That that seems like <laughs> the right number. How many do you need before, like, you have the? Um, it's like how a, a chair stands most stable at like three legs, right? Mm-hmm. You need the, you need at least that many Canada arms, I think. Well, also, so I was thinking about this recently because there's the Canada arm two on the space station, but then there's also Dexter, which is like two arms that are grabbing on simultaneously, but it's not even called a Canada arm, but it's kind of like one double-handed arm or two arms. So when you're trying to count the number of arms that you need, it gets a bit complicated. So that means the next one's got to be basically like Canadian Dr. Octopus. It's got to be like a giant. Yeah. You know what? I can't see why not. I'll do what I can to make that happen. <laughs> this is our new lobbying effort that's starting. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think, I think we solved everything here, guys. I think we're, I think we're pretty well uh, productive on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Jake, Anthony, what are you get, drinking? I was just going to say, before we always get way too deep into the topic. <laughs> yeah, we, we, get way too we have a whole segment at the beginning of the show where we talk about what we're drinking, because that was our shtick at the beginning. And I uh, I had a bunch of beer in my fridge still from some people that were over last weekend, so this is another one of my leftover shows. Uh, but I feel like this is relevant, because I have an Allagash White, which is from Maine, which is pretty much Canada. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> pretty much As close Canada. as I could get without paying like an import tax or something. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll go next. I've got a, a beer that I love right now that I 
was pretty excited to go get. Another reason that I'm glad that I didn't wind up doing the show on Sunday like originally planned is that I didn't have any exciting beer in my fridge. Yeah, you're at just the like time. a lot of water. I'm drinking a lot <laughs> yes. of water to get better. Yeah, it would have been a bad idea for me to have added beer to that terrible sickness. But um, today I have a sour beer because I've been just obsessed with sour beers since uh, last summer, thinking it would just be a summer fling, but it actually kept going all through the winter. Uh, and so this one is new to me. It's a peach, passion fruit, and raspberry sour dry hopped ale from Collective Arts, brewed in Hamilton, Ontario. Steel Town. Yeah, it's. I just really drove good. through there like a week or two ago. <laughs> drove right on through. Oh yeah, you would have. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Over the it's skyway not... and everything. Did the whole thing. <laughs> Rainbow Bridge on the way in. Yeah, you would have got double skyway coming from from your neck of the woods. Look at that. This show is going to be so Canadian. It's yeah. going to be like I'm already out of my four, 4% of the audience <laughs> is going to be like, this is the best show you've ever done. And the other 96 are not going to know what's happening. Wait, so <laughs> just so I know, where do you each live? Oh, I'm in Philadelphia. So, so I'm the non-Canadian yeah. here. Yes. Yeah, and I'm in Vancouver. Vancouver. But I, I used to live in St. Catharines, so I know that neck oh, of the woods okay. pretty well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. And you're, you're in Guelph, right? I am in Guelph, yes. I recently came here uh having been in montreal for a long time but we can get to that later i need to know what you're drinking still <laughs> okay. prepare okay prepare yourself. yeah pre- prepare so um i normally don't do this but i i i had a really busy year last year and i kind of stopped taking care of myself for a little bit and i needed to do a bit of a purge after i went to houston because i you know, you travel and you eat out and you drink a lot of beer because you're with people and everything. So I'm on a four-week stint right now. I'm two days away from the end of a four-week stint where I'm not drinking any alcohol. Wait, so why are we doing the show today? (laughs) Because the the two days ends when I go away on vacation to a very far away place. So, um, but I I found something that I think is appropriate and I think the listeners will like this. So, and I had to go, this is the worst thing to get for the Canadian version of the podcast, but I had to go to the States. To get uh, diet diet Mountain Dew, um, the the chosen drink of our favorite NASA administrator JB Jim Bridenstine, um, and so I thought, Is that well, right? Yeah, you, have you ever seen the the like the congressional um, uh, you know hearings he does where he like sits in front of the Senate? He's always got one on his desk. You got to watch. I have not noticed that. Oh, he That's literally yeah. brings a <laughs> bottle of Mountain Dew into the floor of the Congress and puts it on the table in front of him. It's amazing but, every time. That's what what has the world come to? Oh, except for the one time, <laughs> like uh, last week, he was in one hearing and he had a can of sugar-free Red Bull, and everyone was like, "What is happening? Th- things are momentous changes." That's are pivoting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and am I right in thinking that in the U.S., Mountain Dew is? crazy caffeinated but in canada it's not 91 milligrams well how is that a lot oh. I think that is a lot i think like coke's like 50 or 60 or something right because this this might be wrong but i'm pretty sure that in canada clear beverages aren't allowed to have caffeine only they, brown ones they just changed that that's like a oh. new law yeah what yeah what kind of be, law is this <laughs> it used to be just colas colas were the only things that could have caffeine Why? for pops and then and then because we don't want to trick people into drinking what not. I don't know. Coffee is brown, so pop has to be brown. It's a color-based thing. Like, what if the bottles? <laughs> this is not see-through. This is the socialist. The socialist world we live in up here. 
I just got yeah, back from a week in Utah, which I thought has weird laws about what you can and can't drink. But man, this whole thing is very odd. And what's Look, like, it's what's the albedo it's you need to have now. high levels of caffeine? <laughs> the albedo. <laughs> I think even when that law has been gone for decades, I'm still going to talk about it because I think it's so funny that we have that funny. as a law. Yeah. So this tastes weird. I don't know. I have, maybe I just haven't is had this a Is this the first time you've ever had this? Diet, yes. I, I used to drink a lot of Mountain Dew when I was a teenager, like because I was like, I don't know, I love the code <laughs> red. Mountain Dew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I stopped drinking a long time ago. And this, and okay, this is also weird. So it's a diet Mountain Dew, which to me means it should have zero calories. And this has 10. So like, 10. I don't know what the, I don't know what the 10 calories are. Like, what is that? Maybe you just can't get away from calories. Like, it would just be water. I don't know anything about how diet. Oh, I, it says it has orange juice in it. That must be it. <laughs> huh. Wow. Well, there goes your diet. It orange also juice says this isn't clear, by the way. So oh. that I would probably qualify as a non-clear liquid. But it's not brown. It's not brown. It has to be brown. I, th- I think that was the rule. <laughs> I, know. I I don't know what it was. <laughs> no, no. Th- this is Adam saying that must be Canadian. This is this is American Mountain Dew. I had to go to Bellingham, Washington to buy it. Oh, right. You went across the border for this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, because like we don't have diet in Canada. It's only just regular. <laughs> what did you do <laughs> there on your way back across? <laughs> One bottle of pop and a tank of gas. <laughs> always, fill up, always fill up the tank of gas when you cross the border 100% of the time. Okay, anyway. I think we've, we've uh, filled the airwaves with sufficient amount of Mountain Dew uh, trivia. Yeah. Wait. Not quite. No. Oh, no nice. Okay. We can we can move on. I'm just joking. Oh, okay. I thought you had something like some little trivia fact for us. No. I just want to keep yeah. it going on that topic before we get too serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before it gets really hot, really heavy. Um so Kate, I have this this thing on my desk here. It is um is very, very large. So <laughs> far larger than I thought it would be, and it is heavy and it has a curse word on the front. I don't know if you've seen this before. Um, yes, it has a curse word very close to your name. It says space. Oh, hold on. So we're gonna have to put the little e next to this episode for sure. Uh, don't we have that on talk... all of them? I don't know. That maybe was the point of the show. But... I think one of you already cursed. So <laughs> that's the point of the show, literally. <laughs> ah, shit. Okay. So uh, this book says space is cool as fuck, and it by Kate Cowles and friends. And I think that means you wrote it. Yes. Well, I had some friends contribute bits and pieces to it. Um, but yes, it is. Also much larger and heavier than I was expecting it to be. I was completely shocked when I first got my first copy. Um, we're working on a lighter version. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, uh, yes, yes, it's a collection of all of the things that I think are the coolest about space. And I curse a lot in it because uh, we figured, me and my publisher figured that um, you can kind of attract people using the magic of the F word and they'll think that, oh, this, this must be not just for nerds. This is for me. I love to curse. And then you trick them into learning about space. So, and so far it's working. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, it's an awesome book. It's like, so it just, it, it's kind of like a coffee table book, I guess, because there's like an incredible amount of amazing art in here. Um, so I really like it. My, so my favorite part, I want to share my favorite part. So there's um, somewhere in the middle here, it says, why being an astronaut in space sucks. A made, <laughs> a, a made up interview with an astronaut. And 
it's like straight up, it's like not a not real interview. And I yes. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's then, actually uh, one of the pieces that a friend of mine, actually my publisher, Marty, uh, wrote that piece. That's so you, your favorite one. I didn't even do it. Uh, <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> well, Nailed and then it. There's Stuck like a, the landing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then a few pages later, it says, it's a new section. It says, why being an astronaut in space is fucking dope. And yeah, then it nice. says, another... Another made-up interview with an astronaut, and I love the first question. It says, uh, it's great to see you again. And, and the made-up astronaut says, thank you. You too. You're real, and I'm real, and this is all real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. The, uh, my concern with those, those pieces uh, was always that people wouldn't get that it wasn't real, that it was 100% not real. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> my, my publisher friend who wrote that piece uh, is Australian, and I was like, "Is this some kind of Australian sense of humor where it's just buried, buried deep uh, under layers of pretense?" <laughs> but uh, so so far, no nobody's written in saying this. This must be lies. They they seem to understand. Here, read this one, Anthony. Matter, big text, tiny text. What the fuck is all this shit? <laughs> Listen, I'm uh, yes. just saying that I think they need to take your advice to heart when we're talking about all this policy stuff and there needs to be a new, like, we choose to go to the fucking moon speech. <laughs> yes. Just, let's just test the theory because I really do like the theory. The closest I've seen with that is Buzz Aldrin. I think he led or at least Doing actively anything. participated in this campaign uh, where the slogan was, I think it was, get your ass to Mars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was he certainly wore that. a lot of those shirts. Yes, yes, exactly. Enthusiastic participant or leader of that campaign. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I try to keep my... Well, when I wrote the book, I thought, oh, nobody's even going to see this. And I, it's not going to interfere with my, you know, super professional policy work. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so far, there, hasn't, there haven't been any problems, but uh, it certainly has overlapped a lot more than I expected it to. But I genuinely did not think that anyone would see or read this book when I wrote it, because that seemed too crazy. But here we are, talking about it. Super good that we led the interview with it, then. <laughs> yes, no, no, it's good. I mean, now I'm used to it being a real thing that people own and read and talk about. And I, and I, you know, I love it. It was so much fun to do. And I'm really proud of the people that I worked with to make it happen, especially all the artists. I mean, they're so much t more talented than I am. I just swear about space. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite things uh, that I've ever done. I want to do more. Every time I turn the page to a new section, I just laugh to myself because <laughs> this one says the Apollo Turd transcript. Oh, the Apollo oh, Turd transcript is hilarious. Yes, my, my colleague at the Planetary Society, Casey Dreyer, told me about that one night over drinks. And I was like, hold on, I have to look this up right now. I have to include it in the book because it was right in the middle of when I, I think it was actually I had finished writing it. I had sent the last draft to my editor and I said, wait wait, I have to add something. I just learned about this. Um, it's hilarious. For those who don't know, the Apollo Turd's transcript is an actual transcript from one of the Apollo missions. I can't remember which one. Um, and they are, I think it's pre-landing? I think it's 10. Okay. Right, because it's John Young is one of the ones, the, uh, the uh, conspirators of this Turd incident. Yes. I lost the page already. I, I, can't, I can't remember names or numbers ever, but I remember the gist of things. And the gist of this is that uh, they're talking about things that astronauts would normally talk about, you know, how things are working in the, in the ship, etc. And then one of them says, wait, what's that flying by? There's a turd flying by. 
is that one of yours? And someone else says, no, that's not one of mine. Mine were, what is it? <laughs> mine were nicer than that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they just go back to their astronaut business. And it's just this little, little nugget, if you will, of, uh, of space history that I absolutely love. And everybody has title. to know about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How yeah. rockets work and why they suck. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is good. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I love the book. I think it's beautiful. This is going to be, so I just renovated my office and, I'm, and I, it's all like a space theme studio office now. And this is like perfect little thing to have like on the desk and stuff. So good. Thank, thank you for making it. Yes, you're welcome. Um, my my parents have a copy. They were one of the first people to get a copy, and they would proudly display it. But they are um, both uh, Anglican priests, and they would have like people from their churches come over and like see the book, and I'd be like, "Mom, Dad, you can't have that out. Like, you have to hide it. It's not okay." But they're they're proud parents. They're you know they're really nice, and so they want to show it off. But it's like, what are you doing? And people who have kids will come over, and they have to then they hide it. But it's. It's a very bizarre, it's a very bizarre thing to like tell my parents, friends about stuff like that. All right. Well, off, off, off nummies go by this. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I was at, my wife was going to the bookstore and she's like, do you need anything? I was like, oh, you gotta get, you gotta get the, the book for me. And she spent like 20 minutes trying to find it. Cause she also didn't expect it to be so big. And she like walked by it like 12 times, not knowing yes. that that was it. So. Well, my question for you is, was it on display at the bookstore? Cause so far people have told me that you have to like ask a manager to go <laughs> fill, uh, get it out of the back because they don't display swear words. In <laughs> it's like that like when you back in the day, you had to go to the movie store and there was that little room in the back with the curtain for the, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all the books with curse words in them. <laughs> Spaces. Or, what? What is yes. I can't see it. It's blocked by this black sheet of paper. Oh, that's man. Okay, that's good. Uh, so let's talk about Canada. Let's talk about space, Canada space. Um, maybe, so, okay, I'm going to fully admit, I have, I'm not very well versed in the details of Canadian Space Agency, which is like a betrayal to my home country. Um, I may be tried for treason, but could you help me and also the rest of the listeners understand what's going on with this new space strategy like what was announced and why is everyone all excited about it and you know what's the what's the historical context for it yes yeah, so basically um canada hadn't had really a plan or a vision or a strategy for space for a really long time um we had been kind of chugging along as a partner in the iss and we had projects that uh, were you know relevant to Canada's needs, you know, as a big, huge country with a small population spread out over a large landmass. You know, we need communications, we need Earth monitoring, and that kind of stuff. And we were doing that, but we didn't really do a lot uh, of space science, and we didn't really have much of a vision of our own for what we wanted to do. You know, big picture in the future for space, um, and that had a bunch of bad uh, repercussions, including. Um, just the sort of atrophy of the space industry in Canada. So part of the problem too was that our budget was stable over many, many years and not even increasing with inflation. So basically just going nowhere. So the Canadian space community rallied together and got uh, our message to government saying, 
we need to know where we're going. We need to know what we're doing because otherwise companies aren't going to invest in space business in Canada because they're not going to know what's happening five, 10 years from now. You can't plan a business around that. Students aren't able to get jobs coming out of university. Like Canada is pumping money into university programs for students in science and engineering and that kind of thing. But we don't have jobs ready for them. And so they're all moving away to the US or to Europe or whatever. And so all of that was very bad. And everyone started making a lot of noise about it. And the, the, the sort of um, climax of all of that was recently um, the US made all these announcements that they were going to build the Lunar Gateway and they were looking for international partners, mostly looking to the, the countries who had been partners on the ISS. So it was kind of like Canada's moment to either say, yeah, we're going to participate in this, or we we're basically going to be saying, no, we're not interested in having an astronaut program anymore. We're not interested in doing ambitious exploration. We're just going to let our space program shut down. And luckily, it's not very politically uh, attractive to end a country's astronaut program. So that kind of saved our whole industry um, the fact that, you know, to get astronauts on Gateway, we would need to contribute something. So some kind of, what are we calling it? A robotic octopus, Dr. Octagon or something? <laughs> I like something Dr. Like Octagon that. better than Dr. Octopus. I think that, that guy's <laughs> way cooler. Right. Um, anywho, we're going to, we're going to contribute something like that. We've, we've agreed, um, to, to make, a major robotic contribution to the Lunar Gateway. So that gets us, uh, well, it's likely going to get us astronauts in the, in the distant future on that space station. Um, and it'll be a huge, in, in, yes, well, well I, haven't seen, I, don't know. I haven't seen the paperwork. Yeah, also the whole uh, fragility of space policy uh, in the long term in the U.S. as well as in Canada and everywhere else. I mean, this is a whole other discussion that we could have, and maybe we will. I don't know how, how in depth you guys like to get. But assuming that nothing changes uh, for the next 20 years politically, um, which, you know, it's a very safe bet, I'm sure, uh, we will have this Lunar Gateway. We will have astronauts on it. Some of them will be Canadian. Most will be American. There will be some Russians, some Japanese, etc. So that was the big investment, and that's like the centerpiece of the space strategy. But then one of the other things that the space community was really rallying around was that we needed to have uh, not just one big project that would go to one company, like probably um, MDA, McDonald Detweiler & Associates, which is now owned by an American company, et cetera, blah, blah. They, they get all the big contracts, but there was you know small businesses, medium businesses that wanted to get involved in space. So the strategy is kind of promising there's going to be money for them. There's going to be a bunch of youth outreach. And um, we're also looking for some sort of regulatory reform to make it easier for companies to do stuff in space. Um, so basically, the government gave us what we've asked for in broad strokes. There's still a lot of detail to be worked out. Um, and I mean, me, me personally, I, I will believe that this whole project is actually going to happen when I see it sustained through the next whoever the next president in the U.S. is, because it's very popular for presidents to discard the former administration's space plans. Um, so we'll see. But if all goes well, we'll have Canadians in space again. 
That's awesome. There yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> and I think so. I mean, one of the one of the um, the rules that Canadians know well is this sort of ten to one ratio between the United States and Canada. If you ever want to know, if you want to compare things, you just use this ten to one rule, right? If if it's this big in the United States, it should be one tenth the size in Canada. Mm-hmm. Population, budgets, all this kind of stuff. But the Canadian space agency budget does not line up with that. It is very, no. very, very wrong. So like, well, now NASA's what twenty one and a half billion this year. What did we get last year? Four hundred million, I think. Yeah, about that. And but I will say that no country compares to the U.S. in yeah, terms of fair. space budgets. Like, isn't the U.S. Just, space budget bigger than budgets. all the others? We're just going to go with budgets. We know how to spend money. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I think space in particular has a has a weirdly giant budget in the U.S. Not saying that it's too high. I think it's awesome, but. It is bizarrely high. And it's partly, you know, this U.S. mentality of, you know, we have to be the leaders. We have to be number one in everything, et cetera. So you guys are really trying to go do everything yourselves in space. And that's great because I'm glad that it's happening. But everybody else is like, okay, we'll let them do that with their crazy, crazy, crazy budget. And we'll, you know, send one spacecraft to a distant world every once in a while and do a bunch of stuff that's, you know, practical for the country in the meantime. But I'm not dissing the U.S. on that. I think it's great. I'm just kind of semi-defending Canada in that <laughs> one comparison. However, even when you look at all other um, comparisons with other um, spacefaring nations, Canada has always been way lower than everybody else at our, you know, that should be at our level. Um, so, yeah, it was really time for us to pick up the pace. And I think part of the reason that we didn't do this for the last 10 plus years is that we've had, we've had astronauts, we've got uh, the Canada arm very visible, you know, that Canada flag on the Canada arm is great branding and Canadians, you know, we still get to use GPS. We still have like uh, weather satellites. We, we see Chris Hadfield playing guitar in space. Canadians think, yeah, the space program's great. I'm sure we invest tons of money in it. And the government, therefore, doesn't really have any political incentive to put more money into it. So like the politics of space is super interesting to me. And I think it really did take, you know, the, the potential of um, the, the political sort of consequences of n- losing the astronaut program to actually get the government to really take the space program seriously again because they've just been taking it for granted for so long. So the the question I have from somebody who's down this way that doesn't necessarily get I mean I you know I read everything that the planetary society is putting out on this but I'm not in the weeds on all this Canadian policy discussion. It was you know the, my reading of it was that the gateway stuff was a portion of the budget but you're mm-hmm. you're making it sound like this was the driving force behind the you know, entire initiative itself is that accurate? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think without Gateway, it would have been really hard to get the Canadian government to increase the, the increase the space budget or make any kind of big future plans. Like the the investment that they promised for Gateway is over the course of twenty years. That's that's a big commitment. Yeah, we haven't even. Um, done that. <laughs> so I mean, and there you know the it's a promise that i don't know can trudeau honor that 15 like how much say is he gonna have 15 years from now i actually honestly don't fully understand how that works but don't 
I mean, I shouldn't have said that on a live podcast, should I? I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, I think politically it would have been really hard to get the kind of um, investment that we needed to really um, reinvigorate the Canadian space industry. Um, but one of the things that we really, really did hammer on was the idea that um, you can't just make this big, one big investment in, you know, the next Canada arm. It needs, we need more than that to keep the industry afloat. Um, and so we're seeing, we, we are seeing that. So that it's, you know, I, I don't mean to belittle the investment that the Canadian government did make. I think that this, the, the strategy and the budget includes a lot more than just the, um, the gateway component, but, or than just the Canada arm component, but there is, I think that that's what carried it through was the kind of political support for that. Yeah. And the other yeah. big stuff is, uh, I think there's somebody heading towards Telesat to establish their constellation and like mm. those other kind of projects that we're looking into the future. Is there any other main ones that you would pick out, uh, as like things that people should pay attention to? Um, yeah. So the lunar exploration accelerator program, I think is the acronym leap. Um, and that's, that's the, I think it's a hundred million dollars allocated specifically to small and medium enterprises. You know, these are the, the up and coming companies in space. This is what is going to keep the space industry honest, you know, and not just have monopolies. Um, so looking at how that's actually going to play out and what kind of companies actually take advantage of that money. So this is people who are going to be granted money from the government to do, um, research and development for um, science uh, that would take advantage of the uh, the gateway pro- program or also um, like business opportunities. So things that could be profitable or could uh, help us understand nature better. Um, so that's going to be interesting, I think, especially for those of us within the space community, it's going to be particularly interesting because it's like, okay, this can allow for smaller and new emerging companies to flourish from the outside perspective. I mean, you guys down South are probably just going to be interested in seeing the, the next Canada arm and whatever cool mustachioed astronauts we send up. <laughs> well, the, the leap thing was interesting because it felt like something that could hook into our like small lander initiative where we have this mm. program that's supposed to be small and fast and be able to pepper the moon with payloads. And I feel yeah. like, you know, these other kind of small, more agile thinking initiatives could be something that maybe we work together on that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and from what I understand, part of the whole Lunar Gateway vision is that smaller countries or countries with budgets smaller than that of the U.S. can kind of take advantage of that infrastructure to do um, research or um or commercial ventures that kind of take take advantage of that and can access the moon or can just be out in deep space or in microgravity or whatever. So yeah, Canada will be a part of that. It'll be cool to see what other countries are able to take advantage of this. I mean, countries and companies, you know, it's not necessarily just national space programs anymore. Um, and it'll be really, yeah, it'll be really cool to see what happens there. I am still like not a hundred percent certain that it's all going to happen just because of the sort of the political, um, delicacy of space programs, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm skeptical. Both our governments are are uh, a little tenuous yeah. right now, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was actually such a shame the day that 
Trudeau announced this big new investment in space. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the midst of this political scandal. And I actually got to be there at the Canadian Space Agency when he made this announcement. And there's this room full of space people who are all so excited to finally hear what we've been fighting for. And the press are there and all they ask, he, Trudeau gives this big inspiring speech about Canada's future in space and then hands it over to the media and all they want to ask are questions about this other political scandal and it's like yeah that's and it's it's what's maybe dragging his party down so he's like uh, SNC you mean Sierra Nevada Corporation (laughs) (laughs) oh very good yeah Yeah, that was a that was a bummer I'm actually surprised he like because I was right in the thick of it I'm surprised he even took questions or frankly even showed up like that feels like something you may that would have been a great spot to roll out, you know, like Mark Garneau or, or Julie Payette or something and, and say, like, here, you can you can help yeah. with this. Yeah, but. I was I was surprised, too. I had I had flown out to Montreal the night before the announcement and I was and I, you know, I had just come from living there a few months prior. So I was reunited with a bunch of friends and I was having a beer and got a text saying, like, have you heard the news? And I looked and it. This is when the SNC Lavalin uh, scandal had exploded. And I was like maybe I'm not going to have to get up early tomorrow morning to go to this announcement. Like maybe I can hang out a bit longer, but no, of course he did wind up making the announcement. And, and I think it was an attempt to distract a little bit from the yeah. scandal. It did not work. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, we, we love a liberal scandal here in Canada. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also funny to talk, like I was talking to my American colleagues at the Planetary Society after this, you know, kind of, recapping everything that had gone down over this intense 24 hours with the gateway announcement and they were kind of asking about the scandal and I explained the gist of it and just the American (laughs) take on the Canadian scandal a scandal that is rocking the nation up here this is so small potatoes compared to what you guys deal with down there but yeah we're like 30 grand like we don't care about 30 grand Yeah, yeah. I think I was trying to explain to someone in the Discord too, and it's the same thing. And it's just like, no, you got to understand, because like he was like really, really assertive in this meeting, and you're like, oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, we have to have something, I guess. Let me ask Um, you too about the. uh, Sorry, I keep stepping on your questions, Jake, but I'm very curious to. to, This is like ask a Canadian. This is my chance. (laughs) Yeah. You go ahead. You go ahead. I'm. I'm curious. You know, we we. We look at we look to Canada for robotic arms like that's just the thing we assume. We're like curling, hockey, robotic arms, and they <laughs> apologize a bunch. It's like that's definitely in people's minds as robotic arms is the thing. If if you were is that are you cool with that? Are you cool with being the masters of robotics? Do you want something else out of that? Like what what else would you like to see Canada work on, or are you happy being the robotic experts, considering the fact that robotics are only getting more important in space? Well. I got two answers to that. First, uh, yeah, it's great to be the masters of robotics. Robotics are always going to be super important in space, and that's great. But I will also say that Canada does do a lot more. We have a lot more specialties in space than just robotics. Like, for example, the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft that just got to Bennu not long ago, the tool that it used to map Bennu to decide where to touch down, that was an American, I mean, sorry, a Canadian instrument. Like, we do have a lot of other expertise. We're known by Americans for, like you said, hockey, curling, robotics, and being polite. 
we are never going to be fully respected by America. And we're fine with that. <laughs> we know that we've got it going on. The, how we're seen from the U.S. is never going to really reflect our, our full potential, right? So being known for robotics is great. I would also say when Chris Hadfield was on the space station, Canadians were all about that, but Americans were also all about that. And I don't think many Americans can even name an American astronaut since um, t- uh, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. So I think we did pretty well in the eyes of Americans. Yeah, absolutely. With I mean, our he he was the model for this era of astronauts and their outreach. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody yeah. is just doing their best Hadfield at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're not even coming close. <laughs> no. do, you, do you want to hear a funny story about that Osiris Rex LiDAR? So, yeah, um, of course I, I do. <laughs> I, I was at the uh, I, down in Houston for the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference, and we had uh, a, a Canada meetup. So we like booked a bar across the street, and everyone who was Canadian showed up there. And we were talking about this exact thing about like um, all the things that Canada are known for, and and I was making the point that. Um, we, we do a really real poor job of like broadcasting it. Mm-hmm. So like, there's all these, these amazing things that we're doing, but we're not shouting it out to the world. And so I was, I was talking to this guy and, and there's like, a, you know, like a whole table, you're at a bar, you don't really know everyone. I'm just like, yeah. And, and you know, like, here's a good example is that Osiris Rex has this LIDAR thing and it's mapping the whole asteroid and that's a Canadian instrument. And we're like, you know, we're not, and I'm going on and on about how cool this instrument is. And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I kind of finished and he says, yeah, I uh, I work on that instrument. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm Mike Daly, and he's like the PI of, oh, of the liar. <laughs> yeah. Did you double down and go, well, speak up? Why aren't you talking about this? Did you yeah. get like real heated, or did you step back? No, no. no. We're Canadians. No. That's not how we operate. Yeah, I was like, oh cool, welcome to the table. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know it was really funny because he was so patient. He's just like, mm, yeah, yeah, the lighter. Okay, yeah. What does it do? Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. And oh, then he like pulled up. He pulls out his phone. He pulls out the phone and he's like showing me that 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 3D image that just came out of like the whole mapping. It was like a few days before that, and so he's showing me that on his phone. He's like, "We just did this." I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Uh, thanks for humoring me." So yeah, yeah, he's a he's a Guelph guy like you, I think, right? Isn't that where he's at? He's not. He's nearby. He's like maybe um, London or Burlington or something. He's nearby. I, I met him at a, an outreach event for Osiris Rex, and he was saying that he cycles up to Guelph from time to time. So he's nearby enough to cycle. Um, but he, uh, yeah, that was my first time meeting him. Super nice guy. Yeah, he's really nice. Uh. But yeah, there, when I was uh, in talks with the Canadian government a couple years ago about sort of, you know, how are we going to go about getting... Uh, space into the budget, getting a space strategy, et cetera. And I was kind of talking about the outreach to the public angle, because that's kind of my background. And someone was saying, well, you know, Canadians, Canadians know all about everything we're doing in space. You know, Canadians are so proud, so proud of the radar sat mission. Like they're so stoked on that. And I was saying like, nobody knows what that is. No, no, nobody knows or thinks that it's cool. We think that the Canada arm is cool because it's on our $5 bill and because it's an easy to say word. And uh, we know that Chris Hadfield is cool because he played Space Oddity, and that's about it. But the Can- I mean, the Canadian government does do a bad job of promoting what it does. But it's also hard to promote what you're doing when it's 
sort of pragmatic space applications and not cool explorations. Like NASA doesn't have to worry about getting the American public on board with like its latest weather satellite or something like that. Cause you guys do cool stuff out there. That's like sending back pictures of Pluto and that kind of thing. So Canada does have like a tough time kind of getting the public excited about the stuff that we're doing. But that's why we got to also have astronauts. I mean, I personally think a big part of the reason that you have an astronaut program is so that you can get public support for the rest of your space program that's actually making the big strides in exploration. Like, I'd rather have probes out in like, the distant reaches of the solar system than have boots on Mars. But I think you get those probes through having people all excited about boots on Mars. But that's just me. I'm just not super excited about human spaceflight. I know that's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that it's like, whether you like it or not, you kind of have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, so one of the listeners was um, sending me questions when he found out that you were going to be on. Um, and one of, the, one of them I wanted to ask you about. So um, Canada is a pretty well-known mining industry in the world like mm. we're good at we're good at mining well, for better or for worse mining's kind of bad for the earth yeah. sometimes but um for better or for worse we're, we're good at it um why aren't we like luxembourg why don't we have you know the why don't why aren't we the pioneers in space mining what do you think yeah i think it's because of the total lack of vision at the federal level for the space program over the last 10 years i think now if we can get the federal government to actually realize that investing in space is a high uh, value thing like if you you can make a lot of money by investing in space and seeing it as investing not just spending i think then we could get yeah like our our um resource extraction skills uh applied to space mining that kind of thing but i really do think that the government just hasn't given it serious enough thought over the past decade because of this thing I was describing earlier where we're just taking our program for granted and we've got bigger fish to fry and small-ish budgets. So I I think it's really just a lack of vision on the, on the federal level. Like there are Canadian um, mining companies and Canadian researchers who are advocating for Canada investing in space mining, but it's just not, it's not a message that's really being heard yet, which is a, a damn shame. Yeah, Jake is so sad right now. He's just sitting there. Yeah, so really sad. Bumped you out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm dreaming of a world where there's like this cool, like huge space mining rig clutching onto an asteroid with like eight arms. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, eight eight arms like pulling it in. Octagon man, he's the greatest space miner that has ever existed. And the fronts instead of the. Instead of the Canadarm, it's the Octagarm. <laughs> Did I ruin it? <laughs> There's the title of the show right there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm imagining like this, like, you know, this that big, like the front of a crane where you have like the seat and the glass and there's like some operator in there and he's got a, a space cup at Tim Hortons and he's, yes. he's pulling up, space you know, oodles and oodles. Space cup. Like those, those zero gene Nespresso things it's or whatever. It's autogenously and... pressurized Tim Hortons. Yeah, yeah. Autogenously pressurized double double. I mean, the thing is, it's still possible for that to be the future. It's just we're not seeing that yet. But I mean, yeah, maybe it's the kind of thing that Luxembourg's going to take that whole 
market because they were had enough foresight to get in on it early, or maybe it's a big enough market that a bunch of um, countries and companies can profit from it. Um, it might also be something that the federal government doesn't have the vision to really get done, but that a Canadian company will just go and do, especially if we do get the kind of regulatory reform that allows Canadian companies to to thrive in the space environment in a better way and not be so um, roped in by red tape. Yeah. It's possible. Your, your vision... Thing, they, they just kind of said, oh, wow, there's a lot of momentum in this way and people are putting money into it, so let's just write the laws so that the money comes here. They're not, like, making initiatives to develop technology, you know what I mean? They're, they're setting up an environment. They're not developing technology. So I think there's still, regardless of Luxembourg, you could work with the companies that are set up there, but there's still a ton of room for development. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hmm. So if there's some Canadian listeners who want to lobby the government and they need a little help, um, you do some work with uh, Planetary Society and stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your, you know, your job? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, I am. I work with the Planetary Society. You guys have interviewed Jason Davis before, right? Mm-hmm. So, you maybe your listeners have heard about us, but I'll do a recap anyways. We are a nonprofit based in the U.S., founded by Carl Sagan, who most people probably know, and Bruce Murray and Louis Friedman, who real space heads will know. And we exist to connect the general public to space through public education and through advocacy. So we rally people to um, make their voices heard in government, uh, translate public support for space into political support for space, uh, specifically looking at um, planetary science and exploration. So my job, well, I have a few jobs at the Planetary Society, but the relevant one is uh, National Coordinator for Canada. So they hired me about five years ago to start figuring out what an organization like this could do in Canada. Because in the U.S., it's very straightforward. you got members of Congress who vote on things, so you get people in their districts to, um, to write to them or sign petitions and convince them individually that space is, is worth um, doing. So... And then, you know, there's, there's other things like that, but that's the basic uh, mechanism. Uh, in Canada, it's different. We have a different political system and we've got different challenges. And it's not, oh, make sure that Canada's independent mission to Pluto gets funded. It's try to get Canada to not totally lose its whole space program. So my job is kind of figuring out what the Planetary Society can do in Canada and helping our Canadian members participate in that. So um, there's our website is about to be overhauled sometime in the next year. So currently there is not a whole page on Canada uh, because we're trying not to make changes before we do this massive overhaul, but in the future there will be. But in the meantime, if you go to planetary.org and you just type into the search box, Canada or my name, Kate Howells, you will see everything that I've written or said about our Canadian space program. Um, And yeah, basically if you want to get involved in advocacy in support of space science and exploration in Canada, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm drinking a beer, so I have a small burp. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good thing you can edit. Anyway, that's actually the subtitle uh, of the uh, podcast name. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think going to happen when I started, like before I even rang on, I was like, I'm going to burp. Octagarm, small burp. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right you can leave it in this is fine oh yeah um, it's not going anywhere now <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways 
yeah, join the Planetary Society. We're all human <laughs> beings here. Great plug. And... Great plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say is that um, I've been talking a bit today about the sort of the Canadian space community rallying the Canadian government, and a lot of that is done through the Space Advisory Board, which is a government-initiated and supported group of people. We're not paid or anything, but I'm on that board along with a few other really, really, really smart, much smarter than me people who uh, understand the various facets of the space program. So I encourage people to, if you want to know more about that, to look up Space Advisory Board of Canada um, to see kind of what we've been up to. And uh, one of the things that we've done in the past is um, consult with the public. And I would like to see more of that happen to get a sense of what Canadians, especially when you know, the political element of space funding is so important. I think it is really important to get a sense of how Canadians feel about these things and how, um, sort of what the, what the level of support is. So, um, connect, connect with your government, connect with the planetary society. If you want to see more space happen in Canada. Yeah. That, that board is really cool. I, I got to, um, I got to interview, uh, Dr. Ozinski at LPC. Yeah. So, He's, yeah. he's definitely one of those super cool, super smart guys. So Yeah, and so nice. So yeah. nice. Like, yeah, off the charts nice. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all are, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Uh, Anthony, you want to do... Uh, oh, we should do lightning round first? What do you think? Lightning yeah, round? Terminal count now. Terminal oh, count. Oh, oh, my God. We changed the name, Kate, and we, <laughs> we never can we've been, remember it. We've been trying to change the name for about yeah. four episodes now or something, so... <laughs> The terminal okay. count. Okay, this like so. This is this is ten questions for you, Kate, and you have to answer really quickly. Just gut, uh, gut reaction. If, if this is if you're asking me for names and dates, you were going to be disturbed. <laughs> no, no, they're, way, don't get they're way more. <laughs> they're way more fun than that. <laughs> okay, good. Thank God. All right. Okay. So uh, T minus ten. We always start with the calibration question. Okay. Just to make sure that you've got your uh, your juices flowing, you're good to go. Yeah, uh, so before we start. <laughs> yeah, fuel up. Liquid get courage. Burp ready. Get that burp ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, T minus ten. What is the best province in Canada? God, that's hard. I'm gonna make people angry. Um, Quebec. Quebec, because it doesn't even really want to be part of Canada, and that's badass. It's <laughs> a good right answer, now. but that, uh, that kind of but... thing is really hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, unfortunately, the correct answer was British Columbia, but we'll uh, oh, we'll give you a, a pass on that. The thing so. is, I knew it wasn't Ontario. I live in Ontario. I love Ontario, <laughs> but I can tell you right now that Ontario is not the best one. <laughs> Way down there. <laughs> not a lot of people actually like Ontario. They just have to live there. That's just we, one of those. We call it Ontarable for a reason. <laughs> then there's also New Brunswick, which is called No Funswick. <laughs> so <laughs> this is just a lesson for the American listeners. No, I haven't heard of No Funswick before. <laughs> I heard it from someone from New Brunswick, so I know it's legit. Okay, good. All right, T minus nine. Favorite Canadian astronaut? Julie Payette, hands down. Oh, nice, She's, nice. Do I have? I mean, is this how lightning round is this? Can I explain? Oh, my I, like the, I like yep. the exposition. Yeah. Um. So what really won me over for her was that I went to a astronaut, like a panel of all female astronauts, at uh, an event in Montreal, and there was astronauts from around the world. Julie Payette was there. All of these astronauts are sitting so straight up in their chairs and giving really proper answers. And Julie Payette is lounged deep in this armchair, legs crossed, 
so relaxed, just talking about how she wanted to be an astronaut because she saw the Jeeps riding around on the moon when she was a little kid. And she never got to go to the moon, but now she has a Jeep. And I was like, this woman is cool. She is an astronaut, <laughs> but she's cool. So, yes. And I met her very briefly after that event, but I was too shy to really say hello because I was so starstruck by how cool she was. Yeah. She, I'm, I'm really excited for her as a governor general. I think that's a really cool position yeah, for her yeah, to have. For it's sure. like, I, I'm so it's like, it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't know what a governor general is. <laughs> Basically, she's like the queen is really what it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I know because she, she gets to kind of just travel around and just sort of like have opinions about stuff, which yeah. is like, it's fun. She's so. a public figure that also can dissolve parliament if she wants to. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> weird power. Call elections and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she have to sign every bill too? That's how that works. You know, I should know. I don't know. I'm yeah. a bad Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, T minus eight. Favorite Canada arm? Can I say. Dexter, because it's not called Canadarm, but it's cooler than the Canadarm because it's got two hands and it walks 100%. around the station. It walks around. I don't think people know that. It literally like clambers around the station. Yeah, I just found that out like a year ago and it blew my mind apart and I think it's so cool, but we don't really know that much about it because it doesn't have a... I mean, Dexter is a cool name, but it's not as cool as Canadarm. Uh, T-7, favorite Canadian space mission or instrument? Okay. We have a lot of latitude there. Yeah, this is. I'm just trying to broaden the the selection she has. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna give a weird answer because um, I think it's the one that I find most delightful. Uh, so on the Insight Mars lander, did you know that at the bottom of it there is um, a section of chain mail that has some function? I can't remember what it is. That chain mail was made in Canada by oh god the company has a hilarious name hold it's on I have so to quickly... funny oh do you remember it i i can't remember the name of it but i know i i visited it it's like uh Insight it, chain it's, mail. it's in saskatchewan oh the ring lord is the company <laughs> Sask yeah saskatchewan based company called the ring lord that made the chain mail that goes at the bottom of insight which I just think is so funny. And so that's my favorite for all time. That is a really, really good answer. <laughs> that's a really good answer with a great reason yeah. behind it. Yeah, yeah it's just like, uh, it's in like Regina or something. I can't Uh-oh, did I lose him? I think I lost our Canadian friends. Are our Canadian oh, friends back? Me I'm, or I'm... him? Yep, everyone's or... back now. Did you oh, guys no. get that little weird little thing that said? No, no. no. Just you, just I America. Skype, Skype thing. Yeah, just the oh. quick cut off. We're back. We're back. Okay. All, right. All I heard was okay. vagina, and then you got cut off. <laughs> it was that censorship. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a curse word built I'm talking about the ring lord. <laughs> okay, T minus six. By the uh, way, what wait, was quick, uh... quick pause. This is an incredible website. There is there it? a website? Holy it's like GeoCities, right? I gotta look this up now. Is it this is a good podcast googling while oh, this is recorded? Kate, we don't we do not advance <laughs> the episode until you see this website. Oh my <laughs> god, they have scale bra kits apparently. Wow, this is un unreal. Wow, there's actually a lot of like sexy chainmail. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't scroll that far down. I'm just looking at the general like HTML tables elements going on here. They got the contract for the insight. <laughs> yeah. there, that's that makes so it funny. so much better. Company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now you know. All right, so that's going in the show notes, I guess. Uh-huh. Yep, for sure. It's actually <sighs> my pick. Anyway, T minus, <laughs> what are we on? Seven, six? T minus six. Uh, Kate, what was the best or easiest part about writing a book? Um, the best part was definitely getting to just uh, really go in depth into all the things that I thought were coolest. I got to pick the topics that I liked. There were some that the publishers said that they wanted me to add. But, oh, actually, no, I have another answer. <laughs> Kate. Well, he did do best, best or most fun or whatever. So he gave you like two parts, so you yes. can pick one Kate. of each. Okay, so best was just yeah, getting to explore topics that I knew were awesome, but getting to like really dive into them and find out more and more layers of why they were awesome. That was the best part. The easiest part, and I haven't acknowledged this on many podcast interviews yet, but I do have half of a tall can of beer in me now. So here it goes. They hired a um, ghost writer to write a couple of chapters of topics that they wanted me to cover but I didn't know enough about to cut to really feel confident talking about them and it was I guess the easiest because I didn't have to do it but it was also the best because reading this guy's writing it was like reading my own writing and I didn't even know that I had a particular style until I saw that how well he mimicked my style and now when I go back and I look at the book I genuinely can't remember whether I wrote this like you know, certain <laughs> certain chapter or whether he wrote it and it was just such a bizarre experience and uh i loved it it was really fun it was the chapter about chain mail right <laughs> oh no one? that's going that's going in the sequel oh, cool. that's definitely yeah. getting in there <laughs> canadian space is weird as fuck <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah oh man okay uh t minus five worst hardest part about writing a book um consistently working on it uh yeah. Yeah, it took a long time, and I I would uh, just lose, not even lose motivation, because it was really fun to do, but I would just forget or procrastinate or whatever. So my publisher um, had this, we agreed on this system where, am I going to, is it totally um, not cool for me to talk, mention something about politics on this podcast? Or is that okay? We spent a half hour talking about politics. <laughs> policy (laughs) so this was around the time of the last federal election in canada and i hate the conservative party and so my publisher said that if every week i didn't send him three chapters uh i would have to donate ten dollars to the conservative party (laughs) canada so it was like a deterrent to make me work and it actually worked quite well i don't think i gave them a dime so and i finished the book (laughs) That's the best story. We just got two amazing stories out of your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many good stories, you guys. You heard it here fo- first. This is a Big great scoop. exclusive. Off, off nominal yeah. scoop. <laughs> uh, T minus four, what is the most Canadian planet? I feel like this is an obvious, obvious answer. Um, Neptune, because it's cold and nobody thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So I think wow, the most that's Canadian, so good. <laughs> the most Canadian part about this episode is just the the two of us just like kind of quietly bashing ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are a self deprecating nation, absolutely. But 
But yeah, think about it. Every every planet has something going for it. I mean, nobody really thinks about Mercury either. But no, because Mercury in retrograde is like a whole thing. Mm, right. Okay. So astrologers think about yeah. Mercury. Um, but that's like a meme now, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, Pluto recently got all this hype. I mean, it's had a lot of hype for a long time since it got kicked out of the club. Um, but, and then Uranus, people like to pronounce it the other way and laugh. So, you know, that's not, yeah, but, ne- but Neptune really is like the forgotten planet. And I don't think people really pay that much attention to Canada. So there you go. I, I guess that so joke good. didn't need to be explained, but I did it anyways. No, I liked, I liked walking through it. <laughs> I just like that kind of joke because it's one of those ones, if I said it, it would be really mean. And, <laughs> but you're, you went right into it. I love well, it. Well, that's the thing. Canadians hear Americans make fun of us all the time, and we just have to roll with it and get better at it than they are. So, <laughs> Or else we just get sad. But here's the thing about... This is the longest lightning round in the world, but like, <laughs> I feel like there's not a lot of Americans that make fun of Canada that really mean it, you know? No, but I've I think met that, very few that are like, I hate Canada. Like, I'm, no, I'm really going to take them to task here. They don't hate us, but they don't respect us either. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like when, when like you're at a family function and one of your extended family members brings their like annoying little kid and you're like, oh. Uh-huh. Oh, nice kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, T minus three. If Canada's budget was one tenth of NASA, call it call it a cool two B. Oh my God! What's the first thing you'd fund? I would want to fund an independent um, interplanetary mission. I want a Canadian spacecraft, all our own, to go somewhere, somewhere cool. Neptune, like, maybe. Uh, like. <laughs> No, I mean, it would be poetic for us to go to Neptune. Okay, how about um, Triton? It seems more interesting than Neptune, and it's right there. The Ontario of Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the BC of Neptune, because it's beautiful, and like Neptune is kind of boring, but Triton is so beautiful, and so is British Columbia. Um, so yeah, I'd, yeah, that's what I'd do. Mission to Triton. <laughs> Or Love Titan. I'd also like to do uh, that. Beat America uh, to its dragonfly idea. Do you guys know no, about the dragonfly? Oh. <laughs> oh, we yeah. know about yeah, it. Yeah, know of course about you, the dragonfly I think thing. you would. Yeah, that seems like the uh, coolest thing in the world. And yeah, NASA's like considering it, but let's just go there first. <laughs> Surprise the world. It's taking a lot it. of self restraint, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> to not dive in on this dragonfly thing. Oh, you don't like it? Oh no, no, no! Okay, so we we did an episode on on the New Frontiers candidates, and uh, we we both took one and then deep dived it and then presented it back to each other as an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 Anthony's on Team Dragonfly, and I'm on Team Caesar. Oh, okay. And, uh, and we we started as just as like a, you know, let's teach each other about these missions. But now we're like, we're like dug in. Right? It's a thing. Yeah, it's a whole and thing. And we, we made shirts and everything. And it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> top. Okay, I'll go listen to that episode because I'm definitely on team dragonfly but i, yeah, I don't know it was either. a good one it was a really good episode as much as we've turned it into this really contentious thing at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wore the shirt to lpsc and went and found the uh, the caesar people with their posters and i was like look at my shirt and they were they were taking pictures of it and sending it to steve squire so i hope uh is that really yeah i've never heard this story yeah that's the good thing about like space celebrities 
or like, you know, especially the scientists or engineers of the space celebrities, like they're not big enough. So they no. will still definitely love it. If you show them the shirt that you made, they're not over yeah. it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, T minus two. Uh, we're going to get real Canadian for these last two. Um, okay. This is a very contentious question for all Canadians. Butter tarts, raisins or not? Raisins. Yes. Yeah. Eat. Yeah, yes. I just I also love raisins in like cookies and stuff like that. So and I know a lot of people don't, but yeah, I'm all about that. If it's if it doesn't have any raisins, it doesn't have anything to like hold it together, and, right. and the the gooey inside will just all slide right out when you eat it. If it's a it's, decent butter tart, it's just a yeah. It's it's. <laughs> Is that a Canadian thing? <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like butter tarts are very Canadian, and there's like a fierce divide. It's like. Pro raisin oh. or anti raisin? So butter. I thought raisins in butter tarts was Canadian, but butter tarts are Canadian. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what you guys? Yeah. You guys are missing out. <laughs> you got a <laughs> I, lot of snacks that they don't have. All dressed chips, uh, Nanaimo uh, bars. Correct, Smarties. Uh, Shreddies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't even Shred have Shreddies. Shreddies. <laughs> we got Diet Mountain oh. Dew. We don't need anything else. <laughs> And as much caffeine as we want in clear liquids. That's so American, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. It's so the last question. T minus one. Mm -hmm. Does Justin Trudeau smell good? You know, okay. Are you asking me that because I have mentioned on other podcasts that everybody asks me that? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> He's done deep research here. Okay, I appreciate how much you've researched me. Um, that's a nice. That's a. I, I respect that. I will have. Yeah, I don't know. He smelled. I don't know, not, not overpowering. He didn't smell like anything enough for me to notice how he smelled. Um, I smelled the rich mahogany of his office. <laughs> <laughs> he does have soft hands. He does uh, have that sort of sheen of a rich person, you know, where like you can tell that they use expensive skincare products, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't remember his smell. Mm. But everybody wants to know. I'm okay. You you filled that answer out just fine. So. <laughs> sure did. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, good one. Lightning. That's a good lightning round. What's it called now? The terminal count. Terminal count. Terminal yeah. count. Lift off. There, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do some picks. Anthony, do you wanna do you wanna go first? Sure. Uh, mine is super nerdy. Um, there's a, a website called Celeste Track. It's C-E-L-E-S-T-R-A-K dot com. It's a site by this guy named T.S. Kelso, and he's like a satellite tracker. And you can go on and you can click like different. Uh, there's a whole list of like, here's all these satellites that are up in space. And then there's a little and, and most of the site just looks like really fancy text files. But there's this little globe icon that he added like last week or something. And when you tap on the globe icon, there's this insanely detailed 3D visualization of Earth with all the satellites in orbit, and you can see their orbits, and you can like zoom and pan and rotate, and like actually see where stuff is in space, and you can see what kind of orbits it's got, and it is incredible. And if you're ever like wondering where a satellite is or what kind of orbit it's in, or if you want to, if you've heard about a particular type of orbit and you're like, I wonder what that actually looks like you can go on there and explore. It's basically Google Earth for satellites, and it's amazing. Wow. That's crazy. My, my pick was just going to be Google Earth. Is that a little... <laughs> <laughs> this is nuts, though. Like, you can really get in here and look at some stuff. Oh, cool. 
Okay. So, Kate, is your pick really Google Earth? <laughs> no, that was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be mean, but... but... <laughs> Like we can I pause did. while you go find a new one. Like <laughs> I did struggle. Okay, so I I struggled because I figured that your listeners probably already know way more about sort of the latest cool space stuff than I do. Um, because I'm I don't know I'm I'm slow at, at picking up cultural things. But um, so I picked two different things. One of them is old enough that people probably already know about it, but I'm going to mention it anyways because I love it. And the other one is so new that I don't even think you can find it online yet, but I'll just mention it to be cool and obscure, just to counterbalance the other one. Um, So the first thing is a book that I love that I just want to read over and over again, and that you actually reminded me of when you were talking about your dream of the octagon, (laughs) where you're, where we're specifically the one that is um, mining asteroids, Uh, your description of it being kind of like gripped onto an asteroid with a little control room. Reminded me of the book Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson that I love, that you guys I'm sure have read because you're into this kind of stuff. But for anybody who hasn't heard of it, it's just a very satisfyingly well researched and accurate depiction or accurate enough depiction of um, how a society would react if we found out that our planet was going to get bombarded by fragments of the moon and how the sort of politics of it might work out, and then also the technological challenges of getting a sort of arc built in space um sort of built off of an existing space station and it goes completely bananas in the final third um but the first two parts as a person who kind of has learned enough about the details of space flight to get really annoyed when movies and books get it wrong this book Mm -hmm. was super satisfying so that's the first one but it came out in 2015 so people have probably read it Anywho, the second one to counterbalance that is a thing that I just heard about from a friend who met a artist at a conference. And this artist um, named Ben Mosher, or Mosher possibly, is doing a project where he takes uh, data from NASA from black holes and sonifies them uh, using autotune to make the sounds of black holes and given the recent image of the black hole i think it's very cool that there are the sounds of black hole i wonder if i could get it to play so you can hear a second of it i also wonder if i'd get in trouble from this artist but i'm gonna try and we'll call it fair use yeah okay i'm gonna (laughs) unplug my headphones for a second so you can hear maybe this is a shot can you hear that yep doesn't that sound like a black hole? <laughs> I don't know. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'll, I'll stop that now. But that's the other thing that I'm obsessed with right now, where if you look at the image of the black hole that recently came out and you listen to these sounds, knowing that it's bonafide data from a black hole, it's just a very cool experience. So there you go. Ben Mosher, M-O-S-H-E-R. He has a website, benmosher.ca. He's Canadian. Um, But that project isn't on the website yet, but it will be soon. Awesome. That's really cool. Uh, What do I have? So I have, um, I'm going to plug a blog from a a new friend of mine. Um, So I met uh, Elizabeth Frank uh, at a, a couple different conferences now. 
Um, and she is based out of uh, Seattle. She's at a, a new space company, but she's actually a, um, she's a scientist by trade and so or by training, I guess. Um, and so her big thing is about um, uh, promoting careers for scientists outside of academia. So, you know, trying to break down the barrier of the idea that a scientist with a PhD can't go and work for a, a space company and, and have a career that way. Um, but she has a website with a, a great blog on it. And uh, she doesn't post that often. There's a, you know, I'm looking here. It's like every every few weeks there might be something. Uh, so there's some pretty cool blogs that she has. Uh, and the best part about them is that, uh, so I'm, well, what I wanted to really show people was uh, one about Faster, Better, Cheaper, which is kind of an era in NASA's history um, that uh, for better or for worse, you know, had to end. And uh, so she makes a case that uh, it was a little bit hard done by and there's we should be thinking about doing it all over again and so the cool thing about having a, a scientist write a blog post is that she has citations in it which is really awesome <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah so it's a, it's a good blog about uh sort of what happened with the faster better cheaper and and why it didn't work out and then what we should think about doing uh for the future with it so i thought it was very very interesting and uh the rest of her blog is pretty good and she's uh she's an awesome person she has a lot of panel discussions and just you know works hard to to Further, this idea that uh, scientists can have jobs too. <laughs> I love it. So that's it. Yeah, oh, just want to plug your blog. Cool. Very cool. ElizabethAFrank.com. As I read out a word, one one letter at a time. <laughs> Elizabeth A. Frank. How do you spell Elizabeth? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that's cool. it. What else do we got on the docket here, Jake? Is that the end of the agenda? I think that might be the end of the agenda. No, Kate, is there anything you Kate to plug all, all of her yeah, stuff? Yeah, you want? Yeah, um, look up "Space is Cool as Fuck" on the internet and uh, buy my book, please, and enjoy it. I think if you listen to this podcast, you'll probably like it. It's it's right oh, up your alley. They made it this far. They yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the book doesn't focus quite as much on Canada as this interview did. But uh, you know, you can just email me. I'll tell you more Canadian stuff. Um, and yeah, you can check out the Planetary Society at planetary.org. Um, I don't even think I have anything else to plug. I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it enough to even bother mentioning it. Uh, just a little. <laughs> just a little hunt for them to find. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I basically just use it to promote my book because my publisher was like, Kate, you have to get a Twitter account. <laughs> there it is. I'll put this interview link on it when it comes out. Um, <laughs> get, get a Twitter account or you have to buy a membership in the Conservative Party. <laughs> oh, God. Never again. Good incentive. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that's all I have to plug. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. This has been really fun. I have to plug one thing too, though. Okay. Um, I made oh, mission nice. patches. So, yeah, if you're a We Martians listener from my, you know, our other podcast, um, these are cool little patches that I made. They're embroidered. Uh, they're really nice. I had an artist make them. Um, her name is Beth Kerner, and she's amazing. Oh, Anthony's got his there. Got it. Look at that. Um, and so it's got kind of, it's like our season three for the We Martians podcast. So it's got little features of insight and opportunity and the Falcon Heavy launch, which were big themes on our show last year. Um, and there are 17 bucks on shop.wemartians.com. Free shipping anywhere on earth. How's that for a deal? Challenge accepted. Whoever's listening yeah. at McMurdo. <laughs> I'm 
Honestly, if someone from McMurdo bought this, I would find a way. I don't care how much money I'd lose on it. That'd be <laughs> what? so cool. I want to know what McMurdo is. But oh, the Antarctica station. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Canada yeah. of Antarctica. Do you guys know about... <laughs> Neptune. What was, my, what was the reference I was making? The, the Neptune of Antarctica. <laughs> um, do you guys know about Sealand? This is totally way too much of a tangent. <laughs> oh, but... yeah, Sealand. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't... If, listeners, if you haven't heard about Sealand, Google that and uh, think about what hilarious thing it would be if they had to ship a mission patch all the way to sea land <laughs> man that took there a could... hard left i was i was so into that <laughs> yeah. seasteading thing right there there could, there could be some mps from sea land listening to this for all we know yeah the they, have, they have mps don't they is it a parliamentary government <laughs> well i think isn't it off the coast of britain so i'm pretty sure it's like oh, all it's, expats yeah it's independent though anyways yeah. I need to uh, refresh my memory on Sealand, obviously, if I'm going to do any more <laughs> space interviews in the future. <laughs> yeah, because they all include that old Sealand reference right <laughs> at the end. <laughs> I try to work it in when I can. <laughs> that and the, the no caffeine and clear sodas in Canada thing, those are my favorite bits to <laughs> include. Yeah, this interview is, is done, I think. I think yep. we're... Uh... I need to hit the button. I'm hitting the button. Yeah, I mean... I'm hitting it. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.